Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. I've got a very special guest in studio. We've got Bruce Feldman, a great college football reporter, analyst, writer uh, from Fox Sports. He's joining us in the studio. We're going to call him in. He's in our green room right now having a uh, glass of wine. So we'll call him into the studio. Bruce, you're on your... Hey, there's Bruce. Hey, sit down here, Bruce. Have a seat. What's going on? Thank you, Ryan. This is an awesome setup. I... I don't know how you're affording. You have a hot tub in here and everything. This is pretty sweet. Does Jenna know what you're doing back here? That's my wife. No. Uh, yeah. We we have a little. He's making fun of my little studio, but it works. Hey, we we got it. We got our. You sound. have a TV in here. That's not bad. I have a TV. It uh, it sounds pretty good. Um, yeah. So we're, but it's cool. Thanks for coming in to do that. We normally do everything over Skype, so it's nice to have a human being a, in here. A human being in here. I'm not here sitting by myself. Watching South Park on the, the TV or whatever. I, what do you, you do? With the, what do you do with these mannequins back here? By the way? <laughs> nice. Um, it's funny now that I get I have the Sling TV in my office, and they just get, got the Pac-12 network, so I can watch those sixty minute games, which I like. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm one of the few people who can access Pac-12 network. Do you not get that now? Bruce? I do now. It's taken me. It's taken me a long time. I feel like Ted Tolner was USC head coach when they started trying to figure out <laughs> to get this deal to the people in LA, but I got it, so I'm happy. Nice. All right. Well, Bruce Feldman, uh, wait, what's your Twitter? Bruce Feldman CFB. CFB, yes. Bruce Feldman CFB. He had some different Twitter handles over the years yes. with the free yes. Bruce stuff and all the, uh, Bruce Feldman CFB. Uh, he's got dozens of followers. So definitely go check him out. Dozens. Yep. You have 300, you have like 200 something thousand. I have 200 something thousand. Nice. All right. So pretty cool. Uh, more than me. I'm getting out there. I'm almost to 18,000. So I'm doing all right. And I'm, I got the check. I'm verified. You got, I know. That was a big thing. <laughs> I think, you know what you needed to do to get the check? I think you needed to purge Dan Wykey from the, from your uscfootball.com family. That's a very good point. Yeah. I should unfollow him. Um, oh, that's our buddy Dan, who, mutual friend of Bruce. Actually, Bruce introduced me to Dan. Yes. And uh, that's why he ended up being our beat writer for a while on uscfootball.com. Yeah, so so USC fans, I apologize for all the typos. That's actually my <laughs> doing because I unleashed Dan Wykey on you all. Yeah. So uh, Dan does a great job, uh, beat writer for the Orange County Register covering the Clippers. So, yeah, he's doing okay. You know, after we got we got rid of him, we're doing better now. We got Dan Weber going on. Uh, but just want to let – so if you guys want to write us any questions, podcast at uscfootball.com. Uh, our website is peristylepodcast.com. If you want to go there, you can leave a voicemail, uh, all that kind of stuff. We're not going to do any Q&A with Bruce. We're just going to have like a conversation. Um, the reason we have Bruce on, I mean, obviously he knows a lot about college football, but he was the sideline reporter last week when Arizona fell short to Utah, and he's going to be the sideline reporter this week when USC and Arizona take on. So he gets to see Rich Rod and the Wildcats Two weeks in a row, so I thought it'd be good to have Bruce on and uh, chat about what he saw. Because you, know, you had a unique perspective being down there in the field. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about this game because it's on Big Fox, not on FS1. So it's should be more viewers. Also, just for me, I've lived out here in LA for like a dozen years to actually do a USC game. I've done, you know, I've done Oklahoma games. I've done some big programs, but it's just even if it's not a great USC team, it's still cool for me to, you know 
kind of go out to practice. You know, we're going out to practice later today and just yeah. not going to say it's like going to be treated any differently or anything like that, but just, you know, just to be part of it. The, when you do a game as opposed to, as opposed to just, you know, sit in the press box, what I used to do, you just feel it. It's just a different, uh, experience for covering a game. Is it? Yeah. I mean, cause it's unique. Normally you're not seeing like the, the analysts, the guys that are have inside information like yourself being sideline reporters. I mean, that's something that seems kind of new. Uh, and it's definitely a new role for you from last year. Do you like doing that? I, yeah. Like- I love doing it. It's a blast. I mean, even, um, there's been a couple of times initially when Fox had me do it, they would have me on the early game, which was tied into, so I could do a couple of pregame hits. It helped me because even the early game, usually you're not missing a lot of stuff when it's that noon Eastern window. But later in the year, I started getting a little better games. And also, like, there was game. I remember I missed completely the Ohio State-Michigan State game. Because when I'm doing a game, I can't pay attention to really almost anything else that's going on. You know, I can look at, maybe pop in at Twitter. And the producer I have this season who's down there with me, like, you know, occasionally we'll look at scoreboards. Yeah. but. You can't, you can't watch anything because you're just too t- occupied with what you're doing. So, you know, that part is, is different, but it's, uh, the biggest adjustment for me is knowing I want to get everything in. And it's like, you're going to have maybe 15 seconds to get what you can, got in and you got to roll. Like last week, the, you know, I've gotten better at this, but the one thing that was tricky was Khalil Tate, who I'm sure a lot of your, yeah, a lot of your, uh, readers are familiar with he's a Sarah kid you know was a huge recruit for Arizona and so I talked to the high school coach at, at Sarah you know obviously you know this is a Dory Jackson school Robert Woods Marquise Lee and rattle all these other guys off and Scott for, yeah, yeah for me to talk about I talked to Scott Altenberg especially on kind of a national telecast it's like you gotta give some context to some of the great players he's coached because most 99.9% of high school football coaches in America have not coached one player as good as he, yeah. you know, like, so <laughs> you're, trying to, dozens of them, yeah. Yeah, you're <laughs> trying to explain that and also try to get in what he told you, how it relates. And so, and you're all trying to do it with like all these teams now, especially in the big 12 and the pac 12, which is our games are all, most of them, no huddle. They're going, you know, especially Rich Rod's team. So it's like, you got to jam <laughs> that in. And, and so that's different. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you like, you like doing it though? I mean, yeah, I know because stuff can be breaking in another game. If something crazy is going on, it's weird for you to be just removed from yeah, it. Yeah, I am. And that's the truth. Like the game where, remember it was a crazy, uh, Oklahoma State central, uh, central Michigan game where it had the oh, crazy yeah. ending or whatever. That happened right before my game. It was a Fox Sports one game. It's actually Steve, should have been Steve Sarkeesian's first announcing game for, <laughs> for FS1, but he's let, he had left the company, you know, to go to Alabama. But anyway. That game went long. It bumped out the beginning of our game on TV. I'm trying to remember. I think I was at Baylor. And, um, but I didn't see any of it because the only thing I did here was they had, you know, I can hear our broadcast. And so when they went to the game break to have Mike Pereira explain it, I was like, I have, you know, I'm not seeing it. I'm just listening to him talk about it. So I have really no concept of what's going on. And that's the, you know, the different part. Like I'll, I can catch up on a lot of stuff during the week, but like my game last week was a night game. I didn't see anything live of Florida State, Miami. I watched some of it when I got back to my hotel because I was still pretty wired at night. But there's a lot of times, like I, I did see quite a bit of USC, Colorado. Okay. But just, you know, if, if something happens in that same window, you can't, you know, you got to catch up to speed on it later. You just can't get it. So it's just, that's a, that's the reality of the job now. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. You know, it's, 
it's good to have. I like. I personally like it. Like when you see someone that you know knows college football, there you don't have a ton of time, like you said, to express what you know. But at least you're not. It's just not someone that's like a pretty face or whatever. And not that. Hey, what, what, what do you mean? Not just a. <laughs> I didn't say you weren't a pretty face, no, but you just, you were not just a pretty face. You'd be surprised how many times that somebody will come up to me. I had this last year at Oklahoma State where it was like, you know, it was one of the chain crew and it's usually these guys are like, you know, in their sixties and the guy was like, the sideline reporter we've had this year. And I was like, listen, we're, I, that's just so you don't get distracted. And then sure enough, they blew like it was something they screwed up that the big 12 had to apologize for. Yeah. So, and at one point somebody like last week said to, we were at a, a walkthrough and one of the, one of like the sta- lower level staffers at a school was like, so who's the woman we got this weekend? And Brando goes, you're, Tim Brando goes, you're looking at him. He's like, oh. So, so they're kind of disappointed to see Bruce Feldman come in and they are the green room, not wearing a dress and uh, high heels or anything. No, but Tim Tessalone can fantasize if he wants. So. <laughs> a great SID, Hall of Famer SID at USC. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to talk about. So Arizona, just so people would get a feel for uh, what this team is. The Pac-12 South, I did a our podcast of champions with David Woods earlier today. It's a mess. I mean, there, there's Washington. And Yogi Roth was at uh, practice yesterday, too. I was talking to him a little bit. It's like Washington and then like 11 teams tied yeah. for 12. Like, it's it's so – there's one team that's really good, and we think they're really good. I'm not really sure. Um, and no, everyone else is kind of bad, you know, yeah. like, even though Arizona is 0 and 3 in the conference and they almost beat Washington. Yeah. They, they almost beat Washington. They're the team that gave Washington the best game. I, I think anything can kind of happen this weekend. Yeah. They are. So Arizona is really banged up. They may be playing their third, you know, third quarterback. Khalil Tate, by the way, 17 years old. They wanted to redshirt him. They were planning on it, but yeah. then he's so not even 18 yet. Yeah. Anu Solomon, who had been the starter for a couple of years, he has a knee injury. You know, maybe he'll play, maybe not, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't close to playing last week. Brandon Dawkins, who has played pretty well, uh, he had rib issues. And then in the game we did this past weekend, he got knocked out of it because he had a concussion or concussion-like symptoms. Yeah. So they're that. They're missing. They're probably their, their best running back is a guy named JJ Taylor is a freshman. They yeah. just, you know, and I'm sure you probably heard his name because he's from around here. Just they think he's like, Another Noel Devine. And then Nick, uh, Nick Wilson, who's played a lot of football for them and is really good running back. He was a game time decision last week with an ankle injury. He did not play. Yeah. So the guys they put back there were like slot receivers and another guy who was buried in the depth chart. And the other guy actually played okay, but they're really banged up. And on top of that, on defense, they're starting Mike linebacker Cody Ippolito, who had already missed 2013 and 2015 with a knee injury, both knee injuries. Then in our game, he he blows out his knee again. So they are, and on top of that, when you look at Arizona, they do not look like, especially on defense, they don't look like a Pac-12 team. They're front six, front seven guys. I don't even know if they look like they would be a Mountain West team. Wow. They just, they have a couple of guys who like look the part, but a lot of the guys that they're playing, they look like softball players. So <laughs> that's not too good. Um, that's not too good. No. JJ was a JJ Taylor. He and uh, he's out. Is he out? He's for out the for year? the year. They're gonna. Yeah. He was a broken. Did he break something? Or I forget what it was. I remember. Yeah. So he's done, and they love him. They think he's really special, yeah. but he won't be back till next year. Um, you know, it, I think if they had Nick Wilson last week, I think they could have won the game. But without that, they have no running game really. What to speak of, other than you know their quarterback run game and. 
it would help if you have something to play off that. So now they do have receivers are pretty good. Trey Griffey, Ken Griffey's son. You know, he's a big 6'3", 210-pound receiver. I wouldn't, he's not, you know, you, uh, Juju Smith's a better player, but he makes some plays, you know, and the ball goes up. He's going to, you know, he can, he can win the 50-50 balls. Samaji Grant's a good slot guy. I mean, he's another, I mean, they have a lot of kids who are relatively local. So, but their offensive line's not very good. Um, you know, if they have Nick Wilson, I think they have a chance to, to win the game. Yeah. If they don't, I think it's going to be an uphill battle for Arizona. I just don't think they have enough. I mean, when you look at how I could believe that Washington and Arizona went into overtime and Arizona, I mean, I had a chance to win that game. Is it just injuries from then or just, did they just get really up for that game? What do I think, think they, I think they fit well with what, like you can say what you want. Rich Rod's a good offensive coach. Like the first play of the game, if you watch what they did to Utah, they busted an 80 yard uh, pass play. It was a run pass option, sucked in the safety. It was, it was funny, 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 but like. The guy who got burned, Marcus Williams for Utah, is a first team all Pac-12 safety. And I was, we talked about maybe doing something on him in the beginning of the game. I just said to our person, I'm like, I'm glad we didn't do that because he just got, he just got embarrassed. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, so he's good at designing some plays, but still, I just think when you look at their defense, they don't have much. Like the defensive coordinator there, Marcel Yates, who was at Boise State last year. This is his first year. He told me the night before our game, he said, you know, we blitzed UCLA 46 times. He, he was the guy who said, I came away with a lot of respect for Josh Rosen. He said, cause we blitzed him 46 times. We couldn't, we didn't sack him once. And he was a lot tougher than I thought. Yeah. But if you blitz somebody 46 times and you get no sacks, I mean, that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. So I, I just don't think they have any, like, they have one guy who, who didn't play in that game, Andre, uh, DeAndre Miller, who's a, decent pass rusher but other than that they don't they just have guys up there so especially because Arizona State was getting the Rosen all they wanted yeah. last weekend um it wasn't like yeah it's not like the UCLA offensive line is something no uh, it's, no it's, it's not, definitely not like that uh interesting well, I'm curious to see how Arizona plays because it is at home and it seems like these Pac-12 teams can look like garbage one week and play better yeah uh, at home um if I don't know like you said Anu Salman wasn't close I like what Dawkins was able to do. I mean, the, the athleticism he brought. But Khalil Tate's funny. I mean, we got to cover him here at, you know, at seven on seven stuff with Sarah High School and some of the other Pac-12 schools, I think, recruited him more as an athlete than a quarterback. Rich Rod was like kind of quarterback from the, yeah. the get-go and got him to be in there. But, um, if he's the guy, what, what do you end up seeing from him at, at the quarterback? So spot? here's the stuff that they really like about him. One, he has a very strong arm. Two, they said his, his, uh, he has better touch than, than I think a lot of people realize. But the, the biggest thing that kind of catches your eye is he's really strong. You know, like he's six, I would, let's say six two. I don't think he's that, but he's, he's more than six feet. I'm just, let's say he's six one, two twenty. He, he, lower body, he's very physically strong. I mean, Utah has some big physical guys and he was, you know, this is a true freshman just kind of throwing guys off, extending plays. I could see him given, you know, having some wild plays. Now what he did was he also extended a play and threw a pick. Like one of the, that Scott Altenberg <laughs> quote I was trying to get to was he was like, he's as competitive as any kid I've ever had. The only, and the only thing is every play to him is like the last play of the Super Bowl. And sometimes you got to go, all right, this isn't there. I'm going to throw it out of bounds or we you don't know, run out of bounds or just play the next play. And he, he did that and he got, you know, made a mistake. They did say, though, when he went in the first game against UCLA, and this is his first college game, they, you know, he was 
really shaky and he didn't have a great handle of the offense and everything. And then he went in the game and they were pleasantly surprised with how well he played when the lights came on and when it was real. And I think that's one of the challenges is the guy who makes a lot of mistakes in practice. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, do we trust him? Do we, and I don't think they're there yet. Um, he's a different kind of runner than Dawkins. Like Dawkins is six, four, two Oh five. He's very smooth. And, uh, you know, he looks, you know, he's one of these guys who has a little like a Randall Cunningham thing where he just looks like he's, you know, long strider making yards. Whereas Tate is more change of direction, more elusive. Yeah. Um, I was curious to see, cause I heard so much about him from those guys. And it's not like he's Denard Robinson. Like Rich Rod's had almost every kind of running quarterback you can imagine. Like when he was our dual threat guy, like he had Denard Robinson who was like, could run away from everybody. Yeah. He had Woody Dantzler who could have been a running back, you know, in the NFL and was a punt returner. He had Pat White, who was not as big as those guys, but just, you know, could run like the wind. Then he had Sean King, who was probably more like Khalil Tate, you know, where he's a thrower more than, you know, more than a runner, but he could do that. I mean, he's just had all these different. And then the last couple of years, like Anu Solomon moves a little bit, but he's not that, you know, and so we'll see. I think this guy's going to be a really good fit for this team. He's just got to mature and he's got to learn the offense and then we'll see but especially if they get jj taylor healthy next year because I, th- I think they'll probably be probably be a problem for a lot of people then do you see um i don't know we'll see what happens this weekend but this is i mean it's a, a rough kind of go for the rest of for arizona i mean i don't know it's gonna be tough to squeak out a, a pack 12 winner too it looks like yeah i think they'll bite jump up and bite somebody because the he's a really good offensive coach and you know, I could see them. The gap between teams in the Pac-12 just isn't no, significant. Not at all. You know, it really isn't. So I think I could see them winning a couple of games. It wouldn't shock me if they won this game, especially yeah. if they get Nick Wilson back. The biggest thing with them is, so Rich Rod shook up his defensive staff last year. You know, a huge part of that was because the older guys who came with him initially from West Virginia, not say they weren't good coaches, but they really didn't seem like they were very good recruiters. And so he brought Marcel Yates, who's an LA guy, Dante Williams, who was at San Jose State. Everybody says a really good recruiter. They've upped their recruiting dramatically and they need that because you'll see it. I mean, if you go out and watch them play, you're like, they, I did their game last year against Arizona State and you're just walking around the sidelines and I'm, you know, you eyeball people and, you know, I'm thinking I've, I've done some, some mediocre teams, you know, like I did a Baylor SMU game. I don't know if they looked any worse physically than SMU did, wow. you know, like on defense, their defensive side of the ball. So now they have a couple guys, you know, like, uh, you know, a couple of defense safeties that they think are good players, but just in terms of like, just looking, there are no, um, you know, it, I don't know, maybe there's one guy and they're, you know, their defensive line and linebackers who would be on USC's too deep. Maybe one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, USC doesn't really lack for talent. I went, so that was Arizona, and I uh, wanted to get Bruce's unique perspective on that. But it's been really interesting for USC. You know, you live out here, you, you see a lot of stuff that's going on with this team. As of a couple weeks ago, Clay Helton was already fired, and they were figuring out is, is Tom, you know, hopefully Texas wins out so they can get Tom Herman over LSU. And obviously that's completely changed. Texas has gone losing some games. USC's turning around and you know, they might be the favorites in the Pac-12 South now hmm. after starting 0-2, which is how crazy it is. Um, what do you make of this USC season so far? Halfway through, they're 3-3. Three and three. It's, it's kind of weird. I mean, if you looked at their schedule and you said they were going to be 3-3 three and three at this point, 
that's probably where you'd say because I mean I don't think anybody expected Colorado to be a, you know quite as good as they were hyped into going into this yeah. game. Uh, beating Arizona State, Arizona State to me is always unpredictable. So you, you win that game, especially the way they did. I think that's good. Uh, to to do what they did, granted they had turnovers, but to do what they did at Utah on a Friday night with a freshman, you know, making his first start, there's nothing to, like I watched that game. Uh, you know, we were on the road somewhere, and I was watching. I was just like, I thought that was pretty good for USC. I really yeah. did. You know, so now looking back, that Stanford loss, man, it may look even worse the way Stanford seems to be sinking. Yeah, but. I thought going into, going into, and I don't want to rehash old bad things coming out of like the Alabama game or practice fights or anything's like, which, it, you know, nothing has happens in a vacuum. But if all those things happened where they were winning, nobody would have like, you know, it's, it's early in Clay Helton's tenure. Uh, it happens on national TV. They give up 50 points. Lane Kiffin sticks their nose, you know, rubs their nose in it. And then, you know, online, there was just a lot of things that happened. I thought Clay Helton desperately needed something good to happen. And that was Sam Darnold. You know, I'm not saying Sam Darnold needs to turn into Carson Palmer as a senior either. I just think he needs something for, you know, not just the people who are on your message boards, but the people who talk to Lynn Swan to go, okay, there's something positive coming here. You know, you can look around the roster and USC is always going to have four and five star guys, but just give us something. Cause some of these guys who are, who are pretty hyper recruits, I mean, or Dory Jackson's not going to be here forever. You know, like yeah. those guys are going to come and go. Um, it's interesting. I, I'll ask you this: Is the off Zach Banner is? I don't say. I'm trying to think how to frame it because he was a first team All Conference offensive lineman last year. But I think because of he's really good talker. Yes. Um, he's mammoth. You know, his size stands out. I think it's almost like for a lot of people, he was like Jonathan Ogden to them or whatever. Which this isn't fair. I'm not bashing Zach, but I don't think anyone really would say that. But it seemed like when he was out, the offensive line seemed to do pretty well. They played, uh, I mean, I think the offensive lines actually got better kind of every week, but two, those last two weeks, he wasn't in there, and they basically ran a rotation of a senior, Jordan Simmons, who... Is a guard? He was a guard, he was a defensive lineman, they moved him all around. And Where, I mean, that surprised me that he played well, right? He played pretty well, and then Chuma Odoga, who had, you know, got thrown out of a game earlier in the season, it was kind of like the number three tackle. They kept rotating. I thought they might pick the hot hand and go with him, but both of them came in and they... They played pretty well. This is a defense, an offensive line that has a lot of depth. I mean, Nico Fala last year, he's the starting center now. He was their fourth string center. He came in and you didn't like, oh, wow, they stink at center. Right. We've seen that happen before. Um, so they've been able to replace guys with injury, but you could argue definitely the lines played better. I think it's more of a, you know, having, figuring out the run pass option stuff they're doing with Sam Darnold. They're doing a lot more of those. Um, you see a lot of times where this offensive line, is firing off like it's a run play and Darnold's throwing a quick out or, and so stuff that they weren't really doing before. So I think it seems to be they're getting better. How much of this do you think is, and I had to lose track. It's like, what is this? The fifth offensive line coach in five years? Or yeah, something? yeah. How much of this do you think it is of them? Cause they're not young. I mean, a lot, I mean, I know that, you know, maybe Adoga's young, but some of these guys, other guys have played a bunch of football. Yeah, yeah a lot of stuff. I mean, Chad Wheeler's played a ton of football. How much of this is, do you think them just kind of meshing together as a group with their new coach? I think that's some of it. I thought they'd come out firing better for Neil Callaway, who's the new offensive mm-hmm. line coach. Um, but they really were poor uh, to start the season. So it's, I think it's taken a little while. I think they're playing 
easier competition. Yeah, they played the best defensive front they're ever going to see in college football this year. So in Alabama, so it's. I think they thought Stanford was going to be better. They played like Stanford was Stanford from last year, and Stanford clearly not uh, isn't. But to me, I mean, it's just right or wrong with Sam Darnold in there. Even if the the plays aren't great, he just he's a guy that you can just put him in like make him make plays, and I think that's colored probably been a knock on USC. They have the talent. When when they do well, it's like individual guys making great plays, not necessarily here's this awesome scheme that's able to beat people. It's more like, hey, you got good athletes, and sometimes they do something crazy good. And, and Sam Darnold's one of those guys. He's always got the ball in his hand, and he does a lot of crazy good things. Some bad things too, but a lot of good things. Well, I thought also, I mean, I don't, I go lucky if I go out to USC now, like you know, twice a season at this point. But I feel like there's always guys you go out, you know, pop out there and like, oh yeah, Deontay Burnett looks really good. Or, oh yeah, Johnny Harris is, you know, looks like he's got a lot of talent. And then in the games, they never show up. Yeah. And I did see, you know, like, look like Burnett was a factor. He's coming. Yeah. He's playing slot like with, uh, Stephen Mitchell and, and definitely uh, making some plays out there. Yeah. And I mean, even some of these guys, like, again, I think cause I live out here and you go to the spring game and it's like, whether it's Darius Rogers, there's almost like, I forgot what the term is. Like, there was a nickname that they would have for players, not Mr. Like, Mr. October was Reggie Jackson in like the yeah. postseason, but also like Mr. October being a guy who like shows up before the season and like <laughs> is like, wow, he's going to be like programs have that where it's like a guy who's, you know, I'm sure you and Dan Weber have talked about guys who are like, we think this guy's going to be a great player and then he never does anything in the season. Right. And they get mad at us for that and stuff. We're like, I, like Jordan Cameron was a yeah. guy. We'd watch him all summer catching balls, like just going up like he's catching rebounds. They were like, watch this dude. He's going to be great. And then he never plays. And they're like, you guys are idiots. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, he made a pro bowl in the NFL. <laughs> like, okay, maybe we knew. Like, it looked good to us, but USC didn't use him. Yeah, they're those guys where I think they catch your eye, and then all of a sudden it's like for whatever reason, maybe it's them. Maybe the kid is just can't handle the bright, bright lights, or maybe, you know, whatever it is, it just doesn't, you know, they're not as confident. They don't have as much trust with him when the real game happens. So... But it's interesting to see some of these other guys step up now, like they did last week, where it wasn't just Juju Smith, and especially for a for a freshman to be the one distributing, because it's like you would think he'd be more likely to go just go to you know lock in on one thing in the security blanket, and you know I think I think a lot of that bodes well for him, and I certainly think it bodes well for Clay Helton, because if he's got a good quarterback, it's rare to see a coach get fired if he has a good quarterback in college football. That's a good point. And you probably made a lot of USC fans upset about <laughs> that. It is weird because people are, there's a lot of USC fans that are, that just like don't feel Clay Hilton's the right guy and realize, wow, USC is going to probably beat a bunch of teams left on the schedule. And if they end up with a winning record, they're not going to go in another direction. Um, so we, we see it on our message boards all the time. There's the fans that are like, no, just root for USC. And there's other ones that are like, I want to root for USC, but I don't want to see Clay Helton be the head coach, so they're kind of conflicted. I mean, yeah, my thing on this is don't wade into another coaching search. If you are if you have it, you better have the deal locked up with Tom Herman. Or before you fire Clay Helton, I think you have to, if you're going to do that, you better have a, you know, a guy you're 100% sold on. It can't be like, you know, they've already made these mistakes before, but just... You know, I don't know who we're going to get. Maybe Del Rio wants to come back or maybe this guy. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just know some of the guys they interviewed last year. And it was just like, hmm, that was I'm not sure how, how confident USC fans would have been about those those moves. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I want to talk about the defense a little bit, too, because 
yeah, the offense looks better, Sam Darnold and stuff, but they, they seem to be a lot more aggressive on defense. I think Clancy Pendergast, the, the defensive coordinator, was kind of treating it more as an NFL thing. He wasn't substituting hardly at all. That's we, what he did again. I mean, by no fault of the roster, but that's what he did when they beat Stanford that Saturday. They did, One yeah. sub, so, I mean, they have, they, I would assume they have much more depth now than they did. He, he was kind of saying, like, well, there's only, like, 33 guys or whatever, but there's definitely more depth, I think, now than there was before. He's starting to use it a little bit more. Um, but that really, I mean, Colorado was averaging like 530 yards of offense and he held them to 370 or something like that. It seemed, and they, they seem to be making quarterbacks uncomfortable. Manny Wilkins a couple weeks ago, um, Steven Montez this last week. These are young quarterbacks though. They are young quarterbacks. So I'm curious to see. And, you know, but you're going to talk about this week in Khalil Tate. If yeah, they face him, that's another young quarterback. You yeah. Play. Who um who do you think right now is their because the biggest question going into the year was defensive line yeah who do you think is their best defensive lineman for the first month of the season you know it's probably the transfer Stevie Tuikolovatu um he I mean he had one game I think he had nine tackles as a as a nose guard yeah. like, that's that's a lot um they're doing a lot of two down linemen uh they played a lot of nickel against Utah where they came out running the ball twelve straight plays USC stayed at nickel the whole time because they had you know three wide receivers. So I think they're making some more adjustments there. Um, a lot of their substitutions are based on, you know, groups of, mm-hmm. you know, player groups is not opposed to, they're doing a couple more. Uh, but I thought he's played well. I think Rasheem Green, who's doesn't really have the temperament of a, a crazy, you know, good defensive lineman. I thought he's been productive. Noah Jefferson, I really like what he was doing. He's been out for a while. Well, he, he probably well, won't. Yeah. I mean, what's the prognosis on him? Uh, I mean, they've, said November. So he was out for like a couple different reasons, but you know, when he was, he needs to get some academic stuff, according to Clay Helton. Sounds weird. It sounds a little fishy. Not exactly sure what's going on, but they could expect him back um, in November from what um, he was saying. But there's guys on the roster like Jacob Daniel, you thought would do more. And they're, they're starting to, I mean, you're seeing some more guys in the rotation, but usually only two down linemen. And you have guys like on the outside, like uh, and Musso yeah. and, and Porter Gustin doing more. Porter Gustin, I thought, had a really good game. Uh, he's, he's made a lot of, you know, he forced a penalty, you know, got some pressure on the quarterback. So I thought he played pretty well against Colorado. I know from talking to Clancy in the spring, he was very excited about Uchenna because he said, and I don't want to overhype this, but he said, you know, he kind of saw him as like one of these Anthony Barr type guys. Now he's oh. not as big as Anthony Barr, right. but that's pretty tall praise if you're going to say you're going to be, you know, have that kind of impact. Um, you know, I'm curious to see what, you know, this game, I don't think will test their secondary. I just don't think, you know, yeah, they're more of a horizontal team than a vertical team. Occasionally, other than Trey Griffey at times, yeah. but just to see if they, you know, can be physical and make tackles. Cause that's what they're going to be asked to do is make tackles in space against, against Arizona and see how they, how they handle it. I think Adore Jackson did a good job making some open field tackles last week. I think, uh, Iman Marshall being as big as he is. And they, they've defended that horizontal game really well. And I think Arizona State tried to do that a lot in Colorado. I think you can hurt this team more with the vertical game than with the horizontal game. They're just quick and they can get outside and they can go sideline to sideline. Um, so I'm curious to see if, if Arizona does kind of do that. They've, they've defended that really well the last couple of weeks. Yeah. We had a moment. This is like a little TV thing. So. Utah has, they, you know, they, they give the broadcast like a one player offense, one player defense to talk, you know, we in a room with them for 20 minutes or whatever. So one of the guys that the Utah gave us was this cornerback, Brian Allen, who's a senior. And the week before had been burned for three touchdowns against Oof. Cal. 
nice, really nice kid, married, uh, already, I think, has a young child, very well-spoken. It's the end of our broadcast in the fourth quarter. And Tim Brando's talking him up, you know, like about just like, you know, really pleasant kid from Texas, very, seemed like he was pretty mature, talking and talking and talking. And then all of a sudden, boom. Like I hear, I saw the ball go up and I was like, and he just got burned for a touchdown. I was like, and usually you don't say like so-and-so just got burned, but it was just like, they got him over the top because that kid can throw. And it's almost like they lull you to sleep with some stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, in this case, I don't think it was Trey Griffey who got him, but you know, we'll see how they, you know, how that's going to be if, if USC stays focused on that. Now that game wasn't as competitive at the end, but, um, you know, this is a home game and, and that was, I think last week from what talking to the Arizona coaches, the noise got to Tate a little bit. Okay. So I imagine he'll be much more comfortable playing at home. And I think we saw even against Colorado, some big plays, some misdirection kind of stuff, like the trick play they end up scoring on. It's a, the defense is going to pursue and they'll over pursue certainly at times. So I think you're shutting down that horizontal game a lot, but you, there's going to be careful on the run pass option thing. That's what Utah got sucked in on and they took advantage of it. They also took advantage. Um, and I'm trying to remember the play call they had, but it was like a third and goal. Richard called a timeout and the play after it was a touchdown. It's like, here's the first play of the game. It's a 75 yard touchdown. Here's the <laughs> play after the call. Like if he's calling timeout, something, you know, they, they see something okay. or, if, you know, it was like the first play of the game or some kind of situation. He's very good at that. So watch okay. for it. All right. Well, so we got to talk a lot about Arizona and USC. That's the game you're going to be covering this weekend. Uh, want to talk a little about the, the kind of coaching situation now usc looked like they were going to be in their hats where everyone's talking about their hats and it doesn't look at least the way they're going right now you sound so broken up about this i'm not I'm just saying this is like okay. a little crazy uh we'll see i mean we're not sure what's going on but certainly you know lsu already fired less miles don't know what's going to happen with charlie strong doesn't look good it seems doesn't like oklahoma was a kind of a must-win game uh, i think your colleague Stuart mandel rated like the the potential jobs out there like Oregon and, uh, I forget. So he put USC in that group. I think he had USC number two as far as attractive jobs behind to Texas, Texas. And then like LSU, Auburn was up there, Notre Dame, Oregon. Yeah. I, think, I would, I would, uh, if that was his first three, I would agree with that. I would think it would be Texas, USC and then, and then, uh, LSU. Now the one thing all three of those jobs have in common, shaky leadership. Yeah. So LSU is wrought with all kinds of messed up politics. Texas has some instability and certainly, you know, Charlie Strong was never really welcomed there by certain people and USC. I don't need to say anything. About this. <laughs> we, know what that, we know what that is there. People know um, what people were like. So it's funny. On, and so when they, they say that, like, okay, Texas, you have your own network and stuff. LSU, you've won a championship fairly recently. Um, USC and some of the USC fans that are really down on the team, they were like, Oh, what coach would want to come there? The insta, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, dude, it's, if you hire, if you have Nick Saban, right. Do you well, know who the hiring, athletic director yeah. is at, at Alabama? It doesn't matter. Like he is the guy. So you hire, if Tom Herman's the guy and he's a super stud, it doesn't matter who the athletic director is. He's the guy that can come in. Like I don't, you get someone that that's successful when Pete Carroll's around, you couldn't handcuff him. He was controlling things. Right. And it just seems like if you get the right guy, it does, you know, the shit. Yeah, a good coach, a good head coach is going to cover up a lot of zits. And I think, you know, for people go, Oh, why would they want this job? Like I go back to this conversation all the time. We had Jim Moore on our signing day show. They had just beaten USC for the third time in a row. 
and come on sign it. You probably would remember these, you know, whatever five kids that they went head to head with UCLA on and they beat them every time. And, you know, I asked Jim more about it. And he goes, that didn't happen overnight. Like those kids grew up wanting to be Trojans. They wanted to be Reggie Bush. They wanted to be Matt Liner, you know, whatever. And, you know, you'd have to beat them like 13 out of 14 times for that to get, for that bubble to burst. Yeah. And the reason why I think this is a better job than LSU is because there's a ton of players out here, contrary to, you know, whatever, you know, some of the recruiting websites will say. There's a ton of players out here and most of them grow up wanting to play for USC or people in their family want them to play for USC. You know, I, I know some of the other schools and I know that they recruit down here, but they will not in, in the Pac-12. They will not beat USC head to head for almost any kid. You know, like what, you know, Oregon beat USC for D'Anthony Thomas and, you know, has Washington beaten USC for a kid from down here that they really wanted? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, you know, guys at USC was kind of ignoring maybe, you know, during the sanction, but, but yeah. Still, yeah. I mean, I, you know, the thing I saw I'd heard was like Lane went up to Seattle to take Zach Banner away from Sark just to go, Hey, I can get whoever I want out of here. I'm not even sure he wanted, you know, that's the, that's the biggest thing. So whereas if you're at, at LSU and you, there's a great player in Shreveport or there's a great player like two hours away in Mississippi, you're going to be battling everybody for you. Maybe that kid grew up as an LSU fan, but you know, chances are he didn't. And Nick Saban's going to get in there. Same thing with Texas. You know, so I, I just think that that's why USC, you're the heavyweight in the conference. It's, there's, you know, Oregon's had a good run, but it's not Oregon. It's USC. Do you think, uh, Helfrich is in trouble up in Oregon? He's in a little trouble. I think if he goes, you know, if he goes four and eight, which is possible, I yeah. guess, I still think he'll be fine and get next year because he won 33 games in his first three years. Yeah. You know, now playoff, national championship yeah, game. Yeah. You know. They, the thing that I think, could be a positive for him, much like it is at USC. They're playing a true freshman who's a local kid, got his first start against Washington. You know, they, they got shredded. He wasn't terrible in the game. Um, if he, you know, does some positive things, they got to find a way to get better on defense. And I think a lot of that's just they haven't recruited well enough, but you know, they don't need to be Alabama on defense with that offense. I mean, they still have good skill guys or still have good talent around I, th I think he'll get 2017 and then now if he goes four and eight and then he turns around and goes six and six they may pull the plug and go we got to redo this thing but you know like I said he won 33 games in three years and you're Oregon you're not you know they don't have USC's history when Mike Bellotti was there he was a good coach but you look Mike Bellotti would go nine and three and then he'd turn around and go six and six right I mean there was yeah. you look up Bellotti's run there was a there was a handful of seasons where it was like you know maybe they'd have two really good years and then a mediocre year it's kind of the base of everything on Chip Kelly. You know, yeah. What, you know, the success that he's had. And, uh, it seemed like, you know, doing the rent a quarterback every year, you were trying to extend that past success and like keep putting band-aids on this, keep going yeah. a little further, a little further. They missed on quarterbacks. Like they missed on Jake Rodriguez, who ended up at San Diego State. And I don't even know if he played there. They, they had a quarterback last, you know, who would have been a junior or senior who they missed on. He was like, you know, should have been a four string quarterback or whatever. I mean, the, they took Dakota Prukop this year. Dakota's better than any backup they had last year, but he's not, he wasn't as good as Vernon Adams. Vernon Adams had like lit up Pac-12 teams when he was at Eastern Washington. Right. Yeah. And if he could have stayed healthy, they probably won 10 or 11 games last year. Instead, they won nine. You know, like I said, Dakota's kind of mechanical. He was okay, but they need more than okay in that offense just because their defense now is so bad. So let's, um, we'll end it on, uh, one of our favorite topics. 
Dan White. Edo, no, oh, okay. Edo, Edo Orgeron. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, you wrote a book, so definitely check out Bruce's uh, uh, book collection out there. But Meat Market was a great one when he followed Ed Orgeron for uh, a year when he was the head coach at Ole Miss. Good stuff with that. The Mike Leach one is awesome too. Uh, you want to you plug your books real quick? Uh, let's me? let's yeah yeah. Um, no, we can plug the Meat Market book. Let's plug that. Okay, so the Meat Market book. So Ed Orgeron. Uh, went six and two when he was the interim coach at USC. It's funny how USC fans are kind of split. Some people love him, but there's, and I think the majority do. There's some that hate that he left before the bowl game. And I've tried to tell him, you know, a zillion times, like how much he was into it. If you ask any of the players, I don't think any player was going to be mad at him for the way he left and stuff. Um, he does seem like a different coach than when he was the coach at Ole Miss. Yeah, that's um, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, and now he gets his chance at LSU. They look really fired up, you know, got more offense than they've ever seen there in yeah, the first game. Yeah, game, right? Yep. Um, what do you think about Ed Ordron and taking over at LSU? And does he have a chance to, to win the job there? For I think he has an outside chance. I think a couple of things. So he's the guy I spent basically two years around Ole Miss when he was there. The guy that I was around all the time when he coached the team is radically different compared to the one I saw at USC and, and even I think he's evolved more from even more after the USC experience to now um, the way he coached it at Old Miss was like whenever I would go to some school whether it was Oregon or wherever and a coach or a support staff guy would go hey did you ever see anybody go as hard as we do and I'm like yeah I did I was around Old Miss when he was they were going 100 miles an hour every day and you know, he was hitting all the time to the point where the players were like, I mean, Patrick Willis almost quit the team once. Wow. I mean, that was the best player in probably the history of Ole Miss football. Sorry, Archie. But, you know, <laughs> just, and they, they recruited well, but he didn't trust his AD, first of all, at all when he was at Ole Miss. And then he didn't trust his coaches, his assistant coaches really at all. And so he would bring in, uh, you know, his, his offensive line guy was a guy who'd worked with in Miami. Arkeo was a 50 year old guy and he just wants to run the power. Well, he brought in Arkeo, but then he'd have Alex Gibbs come out for two days to clinic with him, basically to teach him how to do zone blocking. And he would have his defensive coordinator had to learn from Rocky Seto and Pete Carroll because he wanted him to run the USC stuff. And it's like these guys, not that they're idiots, but like, they spent 30 years doing it one way. Now you're trying to, you know, give them a crash course on doing it another way. Right. Well, when he got to USC, I remember when he was, he became the interim, he was letting those guys coach because, you know, and I'm sure you remember what I'm about to say, but like he, I know how much he liked Tommy Robinson, the running back coach and let Tommy Robinson decide, okay, Buck Allen, who is buried on the roster, on the depth chart, Buck Allen gets a chance. And then Buck Allen turned out to be a pretty good college running back. Yeah. Right. And so it was let those guys do their thing. And I think he started to see, okay, I'm going to be more like the guy who these players knew in recruiting and kind of fell in love with, as opposed to the hard ass defensive line guy who's in their air driving them, driving them crazy. Cause he goes like, you can't coach quarterbacks and receivers like you coach the D line. So he evolved. I think what'll help him at, in this case, and I think he, I don't know if he has to win all the games. He does need to beat Alabama. I think he needs to, you know, if he goes six and one or seven and one, depending on if they get the extra game. And they beat Alabama. I think he has a decent chance to get the job. If he doesn't win that game and he goes seven and won the rest of them, he hasn't. Like I don't. It depends what's out there. I mean, if if they can't get Tom Herman, let's say Tom Herman goes to goes to Texas or whatever, 
And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we could have Mike Gundy or we could have Larry Fedora or we could have Ed Ogeron. And Ed Ogeron, all of a sudden now the state's falling in love with him and he's one of their own. I think that'd be pretty powerful. And the guy who was at USC and he, he, you know, he still, you know, believes in his heart. And I don't, I don't think he's wrong. Pat Hayden never wanted him as a head coach, right? Yeah. So I think that was very personal and very bitter for him. But the guy USC was looking at, and I looked at your, you know, I would read, you know, your, your peristyle and, you know, back then. It's like people could not, a lot of people could not get out of their head that he was 10 and 27 at an old Miss. Right. They that, yeah, yeah, that was it. Now, you know, he's back in the SEC, but the, it's almost like there's a coat of paint over that now because he was six and two and he beat Stanford when Stanford was a top five team. So that old Miss experience, that's not the only thing they know him for. Yeah. So if he puts on another, you know, all of a sudden now he's had two, two, you know, big jobs and he went 13 and three or 14 and two that that old miss thing is like that not say it's a different guy but i think that you know it's given him a chance to redefine we talked about this a ton when you know i spent a bunch of time with him when he was the interim here at usc and one of the things that came up was like you get to define who you are it's like nobody else gets to define who you are and i think that helped him with that team and i think it'll probably help him with this experience if he gets a similar record like you said and do you think the fact that USC's pretty much stumbled since not hiring him, that that would give LSU more pause to say, hey, you know what? They, it looks like maybe he's not the greatest coach out, but for this situation, it looked like for USC, it probably would have worked okay. Right. Uh, then having Sark for 18 games and this. Do you think that helps, like with the LSU situation? They could look at that and say, no, oh, maybe we should do this. I don't think they're, I really don't, you know, cause you point that out and that's an interesting thing. I hadn't even thought of it. I'm pretty sure the LSU people don't have that on the radar. Um, now it might be different if, if Sark went in there and lit it up and turned, you know, went, you know, 11 and one and 12 and oh, but he didn't. So maybe there's, maybe there's a, like a fraction of that. I just think that, you know, it's like, okay, what have we got here? What are the relationships you have? I mean, the AD there has already come out and said like, this is an audition for him. You know, like he's been more supportive of it than I think Pat Hayden ever was. And I think that also... He wasn't a USC guy. I mean, he loves USC. That's not fake. I know how much he, you know, loved USC, but you know, he was still the guy who, who people could barely understand a word he says out here. <laughs> yeah. There, they're like, Hey, it's the first coach we had who doesn't have an accent, you know, <laughs> whatever. So he's one of them, yeah. you know, and so, you know, I'm very curious to see how it goes with him because he's just, you know, like, Crazy stuff happens for a reason. And if it ends up working out that way, like I'm going to toot my own horn on this. The first week of the season, I'm at, uh, I'm in West Virginia. And so Tim Brando is, is the play by play guy I work with. And we're in, uh, Brando has a bunch of people in his hotel room watching game and LSU is playing Wisconsin. And it was about, they're about to go down and Brando's one of the guys in Brando's crew is an, is an LSU guy. He used to be a radio guy down there. And I said, you watch. If they lose to Auburn in the fourth week of the season, they will fire less and they will make Ogeron the interim head coach and they'll go on a roll. Dang. Yeah. So now they haven't gone on a roll yet. So no. we'll see. But, and then I said, you know, you watch and he'll beat Alabama and then they'll have to hire him. One of the guys goes, they won't hire. And this is a guy who doesn't think much of the AD, Joe Oliva, but he was like, he won't do it because Joe Oliva's a Duke guy and he still looked down. And I was like, wow, well, we'll see. Yeah. And it sucks because. They, I think they would have pounded Florida last week. And the fact that the, the hurricane came and now we don't even sure if it's going to play the game. We were having lunch before this. And I do think 
there was some momentum that he built up, and I think he was able to you know work on that at USC. Um, you kind of lose a little bit of that momentum when they haven't been able to play. Now they can come back and yeah, if they win, they they play Southern Miss, who they should beat, but Southern Miss has a good offense. If they beat them convincingly, then I think the momentum is back there, and um, you know we'll see. I mean, I'm like I said, to me this is one of the more interesting subplots of the season how it plays out. I mean, there's still the difference, and we talked about this a little bit when he got it. The difference is he has more, he has better players across the board on defense and more of them than he did at USC. He had no depth. Yeah, he had Leonard Williams, but he didn't have a ton else. But the system at USC was better set up on offense. Even though Cody Kessler was young at his stage of his career, I think probably felt more comfortable with Cody Kessler than what they have there. But USC didn't have Leonard. I mean, he does. The two running backs he has now, Leonard Fournette, who's banged up, and Darius Geis are big time backs. And, you know, but. As good as Stanford was, Stanford wasn't Alabama either. Um, when they when Ed O'Dron took over, you know, Lane Kiffin wasn't the most liked head coach, I guess. But you know, the players really like Les. That's a but, great point. But yeah. they seem to be rallying around o- yeah. O'Dron anyway. Yeah, you know, that's true because it was almost like, hey, be the opposite of Lane, and you'll be fine. Whereas Les was kind of a beloved figure, but at the same time, Les was there for a while, and I think. And I don't mean any respect to, disrespect to him, but I think there was probably some people who were like, okay, we're going to turn the page because this has been a lot of drama. I mean, they almost fired him last year. Yeah. And I think that wears on the players. And, you know, I think he tried to be respectful of, of less than what he said moving on. But also it's like, hey, you know, there's still a season we can have here. So, um, you know, it's weird. It was we had, uh, Les Miles was, you know, out at Fox one day. And I remember I went to lunch with him last Wednesday or so. It was just kind of, you know, he's wearing the purple tie and the purple pop pocket square. And, you know, he's still the same guy, but it's just, I guess, it's the nature of the business. You know, he's also going to make nine and a half million dollars on his way out the door, too. So nice. Yeah. He, um, I wanted to end it, but like we said, doesn't look like USC's looking for a new coach, but he was a name that some people bring up. I talked to USC fans like, no way. And I'm like, guys, there's four sitting. Head coaches in college football that have won a championship. You know, Les Miles has won. Yeah. You know? I, I think, you know, as long as you get a, a good offensive coordinator, I think Les would be great out here at USC if, yeah. that, if that came to that. You know? Yeah. The part I wondered about though was like Ken Cameron was at times a very good offensive coordinator. He had Antoine Randall L, you know, 15, 20 years ago at Indiana and put up huge numbers. And that was kind of like a, you know, now that kind of offense seems like it would have been something you'd see relatively common. Um, for whatever reason, either he didn't trust less, less didn't trust him doing it, or they didn't trust the quarterback they had, which could be a combination of that. Um, I don't know what, my, my, my guess is less is in broadcasting next year. But gotcha. We'll see, you know. We'll see. There's a lot more quarterbacks out here. Bruce, you can, you know, what Georgia had to come on here to get him. You know, Brad Kaya at your yeah. alma mater, Miami. Is he good? He's, he's pretty, he's pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty good. I mean, look, I, I don't think quarterback's the issue at, uh, at USC anymore. No, no. Just with LSU, they always seem to not oh, have yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, they, I mean, they've come out here and they've, you know, come up empty with guys. Yeah. I remember seeing Cam Cameron out here, you know, did the West Coast a couple of years ago, and they just didn't get anybody. You know, I think he saw Rosen that day. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Bruce Feldman. Does an uh, amazing job, obviously, covering college football uh, for Fox at Bruce Feldman. 
CFB. If you like college football and you don't follow them, you probably don't like college football. Wow, uh, that's a very that's, nice thing to say. That, makes, nice? that makes up for that whole <laughs> not as attractive as the typical sideline. Ah, uh, you know, Bruce. We, we love you anyway. But thanks for coming into our little uh, studio here. And no problem. Sharing your insights. We're gonna we're actually going to go out to practice, and then Bruce has got to fly out to, uh, to Arizona, Tucson, to check out the game. But we thought it would be cool to have him on this week, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, definitely give him a follow on Twitter at Bruce Feldman CFB. Check out all his work on Fox Sports, and he'll be on Big Fox. Big that's Fox. A, that's a big, you know. This is deal. a big deal for me. I'm sorry. This yeah. is a very. Go ahead big and talk deal. about it. That's fine. Yes. I'm I'm pumped up about it. So a couple of weeks ago, I was off. I think it was maybe week three. It was week three. They they I was off. My crew was off that day, and so I was in studio. And they said, "Look, if something, if all everybody's you know liner in the studio crew were out in Oklahoma, our big game on Big Fox was Oklahoma Ohio State." They said. You know, go out, you, you know, I was going to do like pregame for like Oklahoma State, whoever they played. It wasn't a big game. And then at halftime, because they didn't want to film that. And then at the end, uh, this just hypothetically speaking, if there's bad weather, you'll be around just in case. And 15 minutes before they were like, oh, crap, there's bad weather. You guys <laughs> got to get out there. And I think the idea of me being on live TV on Big Fox for an hour and a half probably wasn't something that was in the in the plans. But uh, it turned out to be a lot of fun. So Nice. Well, we're, you know. Wishing you the best and like following your career as you advance. Yeah, it's good. I end up hearing from people I haven't heard from in like 20 years when it goes on Big Fox or whatever. It's like, hey, somebody I went to school with or something. Yeah, because you're like some, you know, some swamp down in Louisiana. You can still get it on your antenna. You don't have to have FS1, you know, or whatever. So I don't want you to besmirch our other company, but that's okay. <laughs> Not besmirch. I watch it, on, you know, I like watching Colin's show. Um, and, you know, they got baseball on. I'm watching some of that too, so. We got to get you on Sling TV because we can't get FS1 on Sling TV, and that's what I have here oh. in my little office. Okay, well let's talk to Coward about that. He has he has pull. Oh, he has a lot of pull. Yeah, he's he's local. We should we should get the three of us in our little. Room. I don't have I only have two microphones. I have to get another microphone. I think Colin actually brings a microphone wherever he goes. So yes. that was. I don't know if his entourage would fit in here. <laughs> he doesn't usually. Do. He's <laughs> nobody very, wants to, Nobody can stand him. He's such a loner. Nobody wants to stand being around him. So yeah, that's funny. All right, well, that's Bruce Feldman. Make sure you check him out. And uh, this is our little Peristyle podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed our special edition today. Of course, USC and Arizona this week. Uh, Big Fox, uh, 12.30 on Saturday. So the first Pac-12 game out of the shoot. So make sure you check it out. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.